0: Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. Did you know that if you're a Christian today, you are royalty? Very few of us will ever understand what it's like to be true royalty in this world. But in Jesus Christ, every Christian is a part of the royal family of God our Father. Let's open our Bible now to 1 Peter chapter 2 and see how we ought to live our lives as royalty in Jesus Christ. Well, good morning and welcome to another teaching. Today is Monday. It's Memorial Day in Texas. So hopefully everyone's doing well and just, uh, just loving Jesus, spending time with Jesus. We, uh, we haven't done any teaching for a couple of weeks and there's been several reasons for that. Um, for those who watch on, uh, on YouTube, you'll notice that we have a whole new studio. Um, I have a, uh, Kingdom Discipleship is just blessed with a just a hardworking, uh, diligent and gifted production uh, team. Um, Stephen, who oversees all the production, is just is amazing. Um, my daughter, Kristen, who is just uh, just just really good. I mean, I'm just blessed. I'm a little choked up about how good she is at doing all this and uh, and just all the details of it. And, uh, you know, my daughter, Lauren, uh, thank you uh, for your help, sweetheart. And uh, my uh my soon-to-be son-in-law nathan you know who just worked so hard just to get the studio ready um to get everything together and um you know he's just a, a tremendous blessing so it was really them uh in fact who did everything i literally didn't have to do anything except sit here and uh, and teach the word of god and so uh we're very blessed again in, in ministry we can often um uh, I, i've said this before, but we we tend to view the 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 main speaker or the senior pastor or the big worship leader as you know as 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 really what 's all that's important, and nothing could be further from the truth um, uh, As Christians we're part of the body of Christ, and every part in the body of Christ is equally important. Just because I happen to be a mouth that talks and teaches does not mean I'm more important than all the other people that do their work so that, you know, this production can get out. Um, and it's production that goes out in, in audio format and in video. And then obviously on the video, it's audio and video. And so in the church, it, it doesn't matter whether you are doing dishes you know, for a, uh, a church event where you're feeding people or whether you're the senior pastor and every week you're teaching the word of God, Jesus expects us to be faithful in the calling that we've been given and our reward will be accordingly. When we stand before Jesus and we're rewarded, I will not be rewarded more for faithfully teaching the word of God as Jesus has called me to do then any other Christian will be rewarded for doing their job faithfully, okay? Um, and it's important we understand we're all called as Christians, right, to share our faith. We're all called to encourage one another. We're all called to be disciples of Jesus Christ. But if you're called into Christian service, which this book of First Peter says we all are, all of us are called to be ministers, but sometimes that ministry manifests itself in different ways. But we're all called to talk about Jesus. We're all called to share Jesus. We're all called to encourage others in Jesus. Um, but then we have specific callings, right? My calling is to teach the word of God, to clearly teach the scriptures verse by verse by verse by verse. But all the other people in our ministry that do everything else as part of their call That's equally important in their individual call. So hopefully that makes sense. Um, and again, thank you for, to everyone who just, uh, who's worked so hard at, at all of these things. Uh, In addition, my wife and I, my wife, beautiful wife, May have been gone on a, uh, we've been in the Northeast visiting family and friends, visiting my mother and father. Hello, mom and pop. And we visited family in Vermont, my, uh, my auntie Jackie and uh, my cousins, um, Carrie and Christian, um, John and Sandra and all the kids. It was just a, a wonderful visit we had with them. My, my uncle Dennis, man, I'm just, uh, you just bless me, uncle Dennis. I just, I, I honor you and your, uh, and just your heart for Jesus and how you just keep, keep talking about him and just all my family who is just, who has always loved me. And then all the friends that I have, we just visited just, uh, you know, with so many friends, My uh you know, one of my closest friends, Scott and his family and Leanne and uh, Matthew and Stephanie and Johnny. And, um, we just had a, uh, we just had some wonderful visits. I'm going to talk a little bit later. I had a visit with uh, a very close sister of mine. Her name is Robin. Her husband is rich. And they have, uh, uh, they have two children, um, uh, Ryan and Riley. They had three children, uh, Tyler and Tyler was taken home by the Lord at, at, uh, I think he was, what, 14 or 15 years old. And that's been a hard time for them, but they're pressing through. But um, I was very blessed by uh, by uh, when we were having a visit, Riley had called her mother and I happened to be sitting next to her and she was looking for, she was looking for counsel as to what to do in a particular situation. And I think she's around 17. So I was taken back by this because most 17 year olds don't call their parents Looking for what's right. And she wanted to do what was right in a situation. Um, she was trying to be considerate of another person. And, and in the end, uh, Riley actually decided to, uh, to put herself in the other person's shoes. And if y'all recall, uh, Jesus said to, to do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And I believe that's Matthew seven, verse 12. Right. And, you know, um, it'll you'll see the scripture on the screen will come across there. But and that's what Riley did. That's what you did, Riley, is you thought of the other person's feelings and how you would feel if they were in the situation. And uh, that was just that just really blessed me. It really blessed me that you looked for counsel. Um, It was I was blessed on how your mother had said um, your mother and I were sitting there, and how your mother said, You need to make your own decision. And I think it was just a, it was a, uh, just a really blessed time. And, and, and how I saw the parenting work there, I was very blessed by that, right? As our children get older and they become adults, it's good for us to give them counsel, but they do need to make their own decisions. We counsel them as to what's right, and then they need to be free to make their own decisions. And in this case, Riley made a, uh, a really, really good decision. And it really blessed me. I was very proud of you, sweetheart. So we just had, uh, there was just tremendous times. I mean, uh, just candidly, uh, the Northeast is a hard place. I mean, it's a, uh, you know, we live here in Texas and, you know, I'm kind of in this Bible bubble wherever I go. And then you go to another place in the country or in the world and, and you find that, you know, things aren't the same. They're really not the same. But I mean, I had just some wonderful times. I had a, uh, you know, again, I went to my dentist, and I just want to, I just say thank you again to my sisters Amber and, and Megan, and I just appreciate you guys and just, uh, just, just being able to talk about Jesus, you know, um, at a dentist's office over in Berlin, Connecticut is just a uh, just a blessing. I uh, I met a woman at a uh, at a Chinese restaurant where my wife and I were getting uh, getting takeout food. And I believe her name was Pat and we prayed together. And again, Pat, I thank you for your family service to our country. And we continue to pray your blessing, Father, over her children. And just we had had a, uh, you know, just, just a wonderful time. So, um, just, just a, a really, you know, it, it was a trip where we were continuing to minister and do as the Lord would have us to do. It was, uh, it's just not easy, you know, just, just trying to be led by the spirit of Jesus Christ, but uh, it was just a blessing for my wife and I. So appreciate everybody who is hospitable to us. We just love you guys. And uh, thank you, Jesus. Happy to be back. We're just blessed with the new studio. And so today we're going to discuss 1 Peter 2. Um, we're going to do verses 9 through 12, continuing through the book of Peter. I'm going to go ahead and read them. And then we will pray and we will invite Jesus into our time. First Peter 2, verses 9 through 12. Verse 9. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds And glorify God on the day he visits us. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, we love you. We bless you and we thank you. We thank you for the living word of God. We thank you for our Bible, Father. We thank you that we have the word of God to direct us and encourage us and correct us, Lord. Father, we praise you and worship you. Above all, Father, we thank you for the son of God, our Lord and savior, Jesus Christ, our only master and king. Jesus, we worship you, and we thank you, and we praise you. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now as we open the scriptures. We thank you for the living word of God. We ask you to give us eyes that see and ears that hear. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. All right. Verse 9. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. We talk about this, right, Uncle Dennis, how you break a verse. You just don't read a verse in your Bible and just keep rolling, okay? It's good to stop. Now, where would you break this verse up, okay? When you're studying your Bible, Scott, you want to break the verse up, right? You want to see, now you could see it, it kind of separates itself, right? Here's the first part. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. That's the first part of the verse. 1 Peter 2, verse 9. The second part of the verse. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. So you see how in in those two pieces of the verse work together, and they all form verse 9. But this is how you study your Bible. This is how you, you just think about it. I've told you before we, we, you take a scripture in the Bible and you pull it apart and you think about it and you meditate on it. And we really study it to see what the Lord is, is trying to teach us in the verse, right? What, what are we to take from this verse? So verse nine says, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. Peter already said in chapter one, okay, that we are chosen. By God the Father. Okay. You are a, a chosen people. God the Father actually chose you and I that we might know him in Jesus Christ. Okay. And the consequence of that choice. Okay. And if you'll give your life to Jesus Christ today, I try to say this in most messages. If you're a Christian today, you are chosen by God the Father to be in that position. And as a Christian, he says, you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation of people belonging to God. What is a Christian? A Christian is someone who is completely and only trusting in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of their sins and the salvation of their soul right now. Okay. Now, The Bible says in Romans 10, 13, that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Okay. Now, it's not the words that save you. It's Jesus Christ that saves you. Okay. But a sinner's prayer, right, is a, is a tool that's used for you to invite Jesus Christ into your heart and to be the Lord of your life. Okay. But a Christian is someone who understands, number one, that they are sinful. And that they need a savior to save them from their sin. And there's nothing they can do about that. Okay. The Bible says all human beings are sinful and fall short of God's standard. And, uh, you know, they'll put up the scripture there, Romans 3.23, that every human being is sinned and falls short of God's glory or God's standard. And because of that, we need a savior. Okay, so a Christian, first of all, understands their sinfulness, understands their hopeless, understands there is no other way to have their sins forgiven, to come into relationship with God the Father as your heavenly Father, and to ultimately go to heaven when you die than Jesus Christ. In John 14 6, Jesus declared from his own mouth I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Okay. It's stated by Jesus in his own words that only in Christ can your sins be forgiven. Can you have a relationship with God the Father as your heavenly Father and ultimately go to heaven when you die? A Christian is someone who understands that, has put their faith in Jesus Christ, is currently trusting in Jesus Christ as their only hope. Right. Now, and the way you do that, is to from that understanding of your desperate need of Jesus, you call out to him. Have you called out on Jesus today? Do you understand? Are you convicted that you're sinful and you need a savior and that you call out to Jesus and say, Lord Jesus, I confess I am a sinful person. I know that I cannot save myself. Jesus, I believe you lived a perfect life for me and died a perfect death for me. And I believe you are alive and risen And therefore, Lord Jesus, I call on you now and ask you to come into my heart. I ask you, Jesus, to be the Lord of my life and to save me from my sin and to bring me to heaven when I die. Lord Jesus, I place all my faith and hope and trust in you alone to save me and to be my everlasting Lord and God. Now, the words don't save you. It's Christ that saves you from your sin. But it's by praying and calling on him and and where you truly mean it in your own heart and you know your need for him, your desperation for him, that's how you get saved. That's how your sins are forgiven, again, by you trusting in Jesus and relying on him as your only Savior. So if you haven't called on Jesus today, do it now. Do it today. Give your life to Jesus Christ and trust him and rely on him as your only Savior and Lord in hope. And again, that prayer I just did, you can use that as a model, again, knowing it's not the prayer or the words that save you. You use the words, but it's you communicating the, the true desperation in your heart for Christ to come in and be your savior. That's how we get saved. Nothing we do saves us. Good works don't save us, okay? Good doesn't take away bad. We ought to live our lives doing good, as Peter says, but we don't do it to get saved. We don't do it to go to heaven. We do it because we love Jesus and we want to be pleasing to him, right? We want to be obedient to him because of all that we know that he's done for us. Jesus Christ was tortured for you and for me. And we ought remember that and live our lives for him. But remember, we're saved from our sin and go to heaven completely based on what Jesus has done and us relying on him. We cannot rely on ourselves for anything Okay. We don't rely on ourselves. We humble ourselves. We know that there's nothing we can do. And we, we put our faith and trust in Jesus alone. Now, if you've done that today and you're trusting in Christ today, then you're a Christian and you are chosen by God to be in that position. But as a Christian, he says, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. In Christ today, you are royalty. I was studying with some brothers yesterday. I was studying actually with Jesse and, and Stephen, and um we were talking about this, and very few of us will ever know what it means to be royalty in this world. Of course, I think of the, the Queen in England and uh and Prince Charles and uh, you know, and um, you know, their children, and you just think of royalty. Right. And that's a pretty special thing for them. Right. It's, it, there are hardly any words for it. Excuse me. Ah, it's good coffee. Thank you, Jesus. But in Christ, you have a royalty that's, that surpasses that infinitely. Okay. In Jesus Christ, every Christian here is called a royal priesthood. So not only are you royalty, you're a priest. In Jesus Christ, all of us are priests. All of us are ministers. Now, that's not all of our vocation. Being a minister, a pastor, a priest happens to be my vocation. Okay. But every single true and genuine Christian is a priest for Jesus Christ. And as you see, it's going to say in the, in the second half of the verse, what your duty is as a priest, right? you are royalty. We really don't understand the position we have as Christians. Very few Christians understand the incredible privilege it is in Jesus Christ that you are royalty. You are royalty. As I said, the vast majority of us in the world are just common people. In, in Christ, you are royalty before God. It's a pretty incredible, encouraging position, right, Jason? And it says you're a royal priesthood. Okay, You're a minister of Jesus Christ. You're a a priest of Jesus Christ. He says you're a holy nation, a people belonging to God. You're his property in Jesus Christ. You are owned by the Holy Trinity. That's exciting news. He owns you. He takes responsibility for you and for me. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. And now, look, he's going to give the purpose for that or the outworking of that or what what that should cause. That, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of his darkness into his wonderful light. As a Christian today, If you're in Jesus Christ today, if you're trusting in Christ today, and you have his name, you call yourself a Christian or a Christian, because you're part of Christ, your job is to declare the praises of Jesus. It says, who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Do you have a habit, Corinne, of praising Jesus? Auntie Jackie, are you... Declaring the praises of Jesus on a daily basis. Is the name of Jesus on your tongue on a daily basis? The reality is for the vast majority of the church, regrettably, we're not a whole lot different than the, than the world, Riley. Regrettably, the things that come out of our mouth, Robin, are often not the praises of Jesus. Oftentimes the things that come out of our mouth are, uh, are things that we ought not speak, right? As human beings, even as Christians, we use our mouth in ways that are, uh, that are reprehensible. And, and I confess I have myself. And Jesus, I, I do ask you to forgive us. We're the, Where the habit of our lives is not to use our mouth in declaring your praise and declaring your goodness, Jesus, and declaring in all that you've done for us. But we often use it in ways that are sinful, where we we say things we ought not to about people where we ought not to. And we ask you to forgive us, Lord Jesus. Help us, Holy Spirit, to declare the praises of our Lord Jesus Christ. It says he called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. If you're not in Jesus Christ today, you're in the dark. You're not a Christian today. If Jesus is not living in your heart, the Bible is clear that you're in the dark. You don't see anything. You don't understand anything. I know it seems hard, but this is what the scripture teaches. It's only in Jesus and through Jesus that we can see anything, that we can understand anything that anything makes sense. It's only in Jesus that we have a revelation of anything. Okay, If you're not in Jesus Christ today, you're in complete darkness and you don't understand anything. You're in desperate need of Jesus to save you from your sin, bring you into relationship with the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then from there, it says you move into his wonderful light. And when the lights are on, then you can see and the and life begins to make sense to you why I'm always saying, and it's our job as ministers to tell the world, you don't have Jesus in your heart today. He's your only hope for everyone. Whatever it is, 8 billion people in the world, every single person needs Jesus, and you ought to give your life to him this day. Personally, I wish you would so Jesus could come back. In 2 Peter 3 verse 9, it says that The reason Jesus hasn't returned is he doesn't want anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. The Bible ends with the apostle John saying, Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. And I pray Jesus comes before this recording is done, but it said he's patient. So all y'all who have not received Jesus today, selfishly, I'd like you to do it today so Jesus could come. Because when Jesus comes and sets down on this earth, believe me, All that's wrong will be put right in Jesus. When King Jesus, God the Son comes back, all the absurdities, all the ridiculousness, all the hate, all the evil, just all the sin in the world, all the terribleness that comes from relationships, all the social issues, we have a sin problem in the world today. Every, every problem. Is a manifestation of the sin problem. Okay. Racial problems at their root are not racial problems. They're sin problems. Inequality at its root is a sin problem. And Jesus is the only hope only in Christ. Can racial issues, racial divides, inequality, and every other injustice in the world be solved? Only in Jesus. It says it in the Bible. It's only Christ that can set these things right. And as we live for Christ in this world, as Christians, it's our job to be at the forefront of these issues. But we have to declare it can only be in Christ. Without Christ, nothing can be handled. Nothing can be fixed. Racial issues cannot be fixed. Social injustices cannot be fixed. Nothing can be fixed because you're in the darkness. If you're not in Christ, you can't see anything. We need Christ, and then we need more Christ. As Christians, we want to walk with Jesus more deeply and intimately. And in these ways, we can bring healing. To not only the United States, but to the whole world, but we need Christ. That's just what the Bible teaches. We all need Jesus. Verse 10. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. If you're not in Christ, the Bible says you're not, you're not a people. Okay. You're just aimless. You have no direction. Okay. Uh, the, the knowledge of the world and humanity is the only revelation you have. And that's that's a sad place. Verse 10: once you were not a people, before they came to Christ, Peter's saying, and consequently, before we come to Christ, we're not a people. Okay. We're aimless, we're human beings that are going around with no direction in darkness. But now you are the people of God. In Jesus Christ, you are the people of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Give your life to Jesus today if you haven't. And in that, in Jesus, you will be the people of God. I mean, there's nothing greater than that. This is not controversial. This is not intolerance. It's the greatest love ever. I mean, Jesus has invited us all into this, right? The famous verse, John three sixteen: For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Remember, eternal life is not just a quantity of life, Scott, but a quality of life, right, Matthew? Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. At the foundation of it all, human beings need mercy from God. Mercy, the definition of mercy is when we do not get punishment from God that we indeed do deserve. That's mercy. Right, Tom? Before you come to Christ, you have not received mercy. The Bible teaches that all human beings are desperately sinful. Desperately and completely sinful. and. As such, we're in desperate need of a Savior. That's why Jesus came. That's why he came into the world, was born of a virgin, lived a perfect life, died a perfect death, and rose from the dead. The reason the Son of God, God the Son, entered the world was because we needed mercy. We're helpless. We need the mercy of our God. Because the truth is we deserve eternal punishment. All of us. Oftentimes we get caught up in thinking we're better than other people. At the foot of the cross, every human being needs Jesus. We are all desperately sinful and we all need Christ. We all need mercy. If you're not merciful, if you don't have a lifestyle of mercy, that's because you don't understand how much mercy you have received in Christ. Or how much mercy you really need. The more we understand how much mercy God has had on us, the more merciful we will be. Jesus said in the Beatitudes in Matthew 5, blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Verse 11. Look at this. Dear friends, I urge you. It's not a request. Verse 11. Peter 2, Uncle Dennis. Verse 2. Dear friends. Look how nice he is. Dear friends. But then he turns it up a notch. I urge you. I urge you, David, as aliens and strangers in the world. As Christians, we've become far too comfortable in the world, Nathan. Right? We're just way too comfortable, Steph. Okay? I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world. Most of us are not aliens and strangers in the world. As Christians, we're very comfortable in the world, right? We fit right in. It's not supposed to be that way. What does he mean when he says an alien and stranger in the world? That means you don't live as the world does. You don't believe as the world does. You don't think as the world does. You live your life based on the word of God and the son of God, Chloe. As an alien and stranger in the world, that means your thinking, your speaking, and how you live and act are based on the Son of God, Jesus, and the Word of God, your Bible. That means you're not comfortable in living in the world in ways that are contrary to the Son of God and the Word of God. We're supposed to be aliens and strangers in the world, but most of us ought to repent because we've gotten very comfortable in living in the world. We even enjoy worldly things that the Bible tells us to abstain from. But Peter, not playing games, right? Just, dear friends, I urge you, Melanie, it's urgent. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain. (coughs) Wow. Excuse me. I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires, which war against your soul. I mean, that's some heavy language. Why is Peter using such heavy language? You know, in most churches today, we hear beautiful messages that God loves us. And that is certainly true. Our Heavenly Father does love us so much, he gave Jesus. But at the same time, you know, the Bible is filled with language that's, that's very firm and it's equally loving, but it doesn't feel that way. Peter wants you to know, he's, he says it's urgent for you to abstain from sinful desires. If you're in Christ today, you obviously recognize that there are still sinful desires that you have. You desire things that the Bible says not to, right? If you're not married today, right? And the Bible defines marriage as between a man and a woman, okay. Um, if you're not married today, we, and you still, you know, you know, you have desires to have sexual intimacy. Um, whether it's heterosexual or homosexual, it's no different in the Bible. The Bible calls them equally sinful desires. And Peter tells you to abstain from that, to not do it. Just as a side note, one is not better. One is not worse. Okay. You're living today in immorality. Right? If you're a man and you're having intimacy with a man or a woman and you're not married to a woman, it's sinful. Okay? Sexual intimacy, the Bible says, is inside of marriage. Now, obviously, we all have these desires, but the Bible teaches that those desires are to be filled inside of marriage. Now, I want to make something clear. Never having had a desire for a man or for the same sex, I don't know what it's like. I don't. So in no way am I being judgmental. But this is what the Bible teaches, right? I don't know what it's like. I've never desired the same, the same sex. I've never had those desires. Many people say they've had the desires their whole life, since they can remember they've had these desires. But the Bible says that, the, that you have to abstain from the desires. And man, I don't like it. It's got to be hard, right? But we have to abstain from desires that the Bible tells us not to do. Some children have a desires, have a desire and a proclivity, say, for violence from a very young age. They have a proclivity uh, to steal, right? Or whatever the deviant behavior is. And in a similar way that we, you know, we, we correct those children and say, you know, it's not okay for you to indulge the desire for violence or for stealing. In the same way, when we have sinful desires that go against the word of God, we have to abstain from them. And again, I I can't pretend to understand what certain people's sinful desires are. I don't know what that's like. Having never been tempted, I'm not going to speak as to what it's like to have to abstain from it. But it is what the scriptures say. And it means it's for our good. And if we'll do that, or you'll repent where you have indulged in sinful desires today, I want to make it clear. Whatever the desires are, right? There are countless desires. You can have desires for money, you can have desires for greed. We have we have overwhelming desires uh, in lust, right? Um we we need to abstain from them and repent where we are giving in to sinful desires, whatever they are. And it starts in our thoughts. And we need Jesus to help us. And if we'll do that, you will find that your relationship with Jesus is more meaningful. Look at the language he uses. I urge you to abstain from sinful desires. Look at this. Which war. This is a war. Which war against your soul. As I was studying and preparing for this, you know, sometimes we've seen sinful desires, you know. Um, Can manifest, you know, in our physical body, right? You know, let's say we we eat too much and we're gluttonous, right? Or let's say we smoke cigarettes or drink too much alcohol, right? Um, The physical desires can these sinful desires. Now, again, the Bible doesn't say it's wrong to have a drink, but when you're getting drunk, right, it is having a negative effect on your body. Smoking cigarettes does have a negative effect on your body, and so. Sinful behaviors can war against your body, right? Um, When we have sexual intimacy outside the will of God, there are all kinds of diseases you can get, right? They war against your body, but but here Peter says they war against your soul. We often don't see that. It not only wars against and it can cause problems in our physical body, it causes problems in our soul. Hmm. Have mercy on us, Lord Jesus. Help us, help me, Lord, to abstain. Help us, one and all, all, to abstain from sinful desires which war against our soul. And finally, verse 12. Live such good lives among the pagans. A pagan is anyone that worships anything except Jesus. Okay? If you're not a biblical Christian today in worshiping God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, The triune God is clearly revealed in the Bible, and the Bible says you're a pagan. Whatever the false gods are, whatever it is, any other god, Hindus, Buddhists, Muslims, whatever it is, okay, the scripture says that that's a pagan, okay? Now, I've said this before, often Hindus, Muslims, Buddhists, atheists and agnostics Often live better lives than we do as Christians. And it's shameful. And I know some. Okay. Now these people need Christ desperately. Even these people that live, they seemingly live very godly lives and they do in many ways, but they still need Christ to save them from their sin. It's only in Christ. All human beings are sinful. But look what he says here. Live such good lives among the pagans. Oftentimes, pagans live better lives than we do as Christians, and there really is nothing in the body of Christ that's more out of place than that. When people who don't even claim Christ live more Christ-like lives than we do, it is shameful to us, and it's something we want to repent of. And I mean meaningfully repent. I have to do it in my own life. Again, I know some beautiful people in different parts of the world that I love very much. for whatever reason, are stuck. They don't have the revelation of Jesus Christ today. And it's been shared with them over and over and over and over. And they desperately need Christ. Without Jesus Christ, no one will see heaven. That's what the Bible teaches. I don't even like it. I wish everyone would be in heaven. I do. And everyone can be. Someone will say a loving God would never send you to hell. That's true. He doesn't send you to hell. You make that choice on your own. Choose Jesus Christ today. And these people that I've said that that are very Christ-like but yet have not given their lives to Christ, they actually love more like Christ than most Christians do, in Christ, that would explode. If you're living a life today and, and, and you are living a moral and upright life, you'll never know really the potential you'll have in how in infinitely more, you'll walk in love and mercy and goodness and forgiveness if you'll give your life to Jesus. And then most importantly, your sins will be forgiven. You'll come into relationship with God the Father as your heavenly Father, Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and Master and King. The Holy Spirit will be your guide and counselor and comforter. And all of these gifts that you have will be exacerbated in Christ infinitely more will you love. And forgive. So give your life to Jesus today, y'all. I beg you. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Jesus is coming back. And you're going to stand before him one day. All of us will. We all are going to stand before Jesus, either when we go to him, when we leave this life, when we die, or when he comes to us. If you haven't given your life to Jesus Christ today, you'll be judged for your sin, and you'll be assigned a place in hell. That's what the Bible teaches. I hate it, I don't like it, but that's what it teaches. But if you'll give your life to Jesus today, all of your sin will be paid by Jesus, past, present, and future, at the cross. His perfect righteous life will be given to you, and you'll go to a judgment, but it'll be a different judgment. It'll be called the judgment seat of Christ, where you won't be judged for your sin, but you'll be judged for a reward. And everyone will have, all, all Christians will have a different reward in heaven. But this judgment will have nothing to do with your sin. You'll be judged for, as I said, your reward in heaven. And that's where we all want to be. Because we are going to visit with Jesus one day. Either he'll come to us or we'll go to him. It says that they may see your good deeds. We ought to live a life of doing good and speaking good. And that those who disagree with us, right? Those in other religions, they ought to see how we live and act in love. And that that ought to be an instrument that draws them unto Jesus Christ. Father, we love you, we bless you, and we thank you. We thank you for the word of God. Above all, we thank you for the Son of God, Jesus Christ, our only Lord and Savior and Master and King and God. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now. We ask you to go ahead of us, convict us of this word, seal it to our hearts, help us to live lives of good deeds that glorify you, Father. And that you may be glorified when you come or when we go to you. We love you and we bless you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.